The reading again from Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 15, the same passage that we uh, read last week. It's on page 968 of the Church Bibles, which I think will come up there in a minute. Oh well. Okay, 968. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Thanks, Janet. Good morning, everyone. Great to see you. Well, last week we started our series in the Lord's Prayer, five weeks uh, and we started by looking at that single first line, Our Father in Heaven. And we saw, the summary, that we have a Heavenly Father. That was the summary last week. Do you remember? We have a Heavenly Father. And we also thought, uh, that as we thought about a Heavenly Father, that the fact that the word our means it's, it's a shared prayer. It's for all Christians. It's not only my Heavenly Father, it's ours. And Father in Heaven, well, he's the Lord of all. It's a shared prayer to the Lord of all. We also then introduced our focus as Christchurch for the next six months, uh, and that's going to be three circles. Uh, three circles, starting first with the individual, my father and me, our relationship with God. Uh, then the second circle, uh, my father, or our father's family, and then the third circle, going beyond that, our father's world, Harpenden and beyond. And we were thinking that as to do that, the way to start that is to pray the Lord's Prayer, and pray in the ready-made spaces. Maybe the first thing you reach for in the morning to be the Lord's Prayer. Or when we talk to each other after the service, how can I pray for you? Well, this week we're looking at the first half of that prayer now, out going from our Father in heaven through to uh, on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, that can go down now, thanks. Uh, before we go any further, let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the utter privilege it is to be here with your people listening to your voice through your son. We pray you would do us much good. And we pray that we would leave here more like Jesus and full of joy in him. In Jesus' name. Amen. This microphone is doing weird things to my depth perception. I feel like it's going to hit me, so I'm just going to slightly move back. There we are. It's making me slightly cross-eyed. I don't know if that's uh, messing too much with the sound. Sorry about that. Uh, what do we need the most? One man called Abraham asked himself that question. What, what do we need? What do people need? 
Now, Abraham, Abraham Maslow, came up with this. It's going to be on the screen. I don't think he put it in quite this snazzy sort of graphic. But he came up with this hierarchy of needs. And the basic idea is we need lots of stuff, right? Don't worry, you don't have to read it all or, or memorize it or anything. This is just, a, just an aid, although now I realize there's so many words you're going to want to read it. But basically it's saying there's some really, there's some really uh, immediate stuff we need, like air and water. And if you don't have air and water, forget everything else, you're really focused on that, right? If you ever struggle for breath, that's what you're thinking about. You're not thinking about tomorrow and your plans. You're thinking about right now. And as you go up the pyramid, it becomes less about the immediate and more about the future. Going right to the top, Self-actualization, being the best person you can be. That's Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Uh, maybe you've come across that before, and it's a useful tool. I can go down now. I wonder, what would your answer be? What do you need? What do people need? Not just want, but what do we need? Some of us here are dealing with disappointments. Maybe minor disappointments. Maybe deep disappointments. Something we need, we really long for and we don't have it. We don't see a way of it ever arriving. What do we need? Well, Jesus' answer to us is through this prayer. And here's the message for this morning. Here's Jesus' answer. What is your need? What is our, our need? It's this. Our Father's honor is our greatest need. Our Father's honor is our greatest need. Or, Joy <laughs> Jung Yu, Hai Wing Yu, Teen Fu. Joy Jung Yu, Hai Wing Yu, Teen Fu. Our Father's honor. That's what we need the most. Our Father's honor. The Lord's Prayer is Jesus' hierarchy of needs. It's going to tell us this morning what you need. And the thing you need most, the thing you need most, whether you realize it or not, is our Father's honor. All right, here's where we're going to go. We're going to look firstly at the text of those, um, that first half of the prayer. Uh, then we're going to step back a little bit and consider it in the context of the Lord's Prayer as a whole. Uh, and those two things will be seeing our Father's honor, and then that that's our greatest need. And then we'll go into the Sermon on the Mount, which is the uh, passage in Matthew from Matthew 5 through to Matthew 7. Uh, and we'll see what does Jesus mean when he talks about God's kingdom and his will uh, and his glory. All right, that can go down now. Thank you. Some of you may have noticed, you're very observant, that we, we made a slight change to the version of the Lord's Prayer we're praying. Uh, it's because I got something wrong. Maybe you uh, no, noticed it, maybe you didn't. It's quite small. Uh, and, but I want to show you why this is. And this is going to be a little bit more technical uh, than we'd prefer to be. The problem is, well, not a problem, but just something to be aware of. If maybe you're new to Christian things, the Bible is not written in English, not originally. It was written in a different language. Matthew, the writer of this gospel, wrote it in the common Greek of the time. And whenever you translate, you've got to make some decisions about the best way to reflect what you find. So if you uh, bring it up on the screen, and this uh, slide also didn't format very well. Oh, thanks, Mark's rescued it. Okay, the, the words in blue, that's what Matthew wrote. Uh, and the black words underneath, you see, that's a very literal translation of what Matthew wrote. So here's, here's a more literal version than what we have in our NIV Bible. Hallowed the name your, come the kingdom your, done the will your. Do you see that? And, it, and it's really neat. It kind of is a simple pattern, four words each time. Why do we bring that up? Well, the change actually happened in the last line. The prayer we prayed earlier did not have the words, it is. It was not on earth as it is in heaven, just on earth as in heaven. And I'm gonna appreciate I'm in the way of for some of you down here. But that bottom line there doesn't have the words, it is. What should be done on earth as in heaven? Well, the answer is not just the will of God. Because that's how it reads in English, isn't it? When we say it is, it sounds like, well, the will of God, that needs to be done 
on earth as in heaven. But this shows us that all three things, they come as a package. They come together. They're really neatly packaged in their layout, and they all come together. So we are not going to pray on earth as it is in heaven. We're going to pray on earth as in heaven, because all these three things come together. Now, I did feel a little bit awkward as I thought about this. Oh, we gave out little cards last week, and I'm going to change it straight away, and I look a bit silly. Um, but I realized much more important than that is when we see God saying, mm, here's how you could be more right, we say, yes, Lord, and we'll change on the small things and on the big things. We want to listen to God's voice, not our own. So that's why we've changed it. So if you do have that card with you, you can cross off, it is, on earth as in heaven. Because all those three things, we're praying for them to happen. We want God's name to be hallowed. We want his kingdom to come, and we want his will to be done. They come as a package. So that's one way we see they come as a package, as we look what Matthew wrote. As we think about it, though, it's also it's quite hard to Im- imagine any action that, doesn't, that meets one, but that doesn't meet the others. So after, after church, sometimes some kids will kick a football around in the, the courtyard at the back. Now imagine one of them fell over. You saw it, no one else sees this child fall over. You see them fall over. And you think, oh, God wants me to be kind to people. Jesus says, love my neighbor. So you go over and you just check they're okay, maybe help them up. God's will is being done, right? We're following what God wants. But God's kingdom also comes in that moment, doesn't it? As you live for King Jesus and what Jesus wants happens. And who gets the praise when his people do what he wants? God gets the honor. So even in the small action of just saying to a kid, are you okay? Can I help you up? God's will being done. God's kingdom coming. God getting the glory. These three things come together. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Pack a three. Pack a punch. You know that maybe if you do public speaking, or something, you know that kind of da-duh, da-duh, da-duh. It works really well, doesn't it? There's a power of three. And Jesus is using that power of three to say, the Father and what he needs matters. But what is the most important of the three, do you think? The name, the kingdom, or the will? What what would you say is the most important thing? Well, I look at many of us, we've got a little sticker on our front today, Name Badge Sunday. Now, it's just some ink on on a bit of paper on your front. And yet, it's more than that, isn't it? Because your name stands for you. When someone calls your name, especially if they're someone you like, you think, oh, it's not just a word. It's not just sounds coming out of their mouth, but they're calling you. They're saying, I see you. I'm speaking to you. The most important one on here is the one that Jesus put first, God's name, to be hallowed, to be honored. That's the most important thing. The pack of three, pack a punch, to say, our greatest need is our Father's honor. Our Father's honor really matters. All right, that can come down now. Thank you. So that's the first half. Apologies if that that was a bit hard to follow. But my main aim there is to show why we're changing from as it is to just as in heaven. And that we see that those three things come together. Mostly our Father's honor. Now, let's let's zoom out a little bit uh, broader lens to the Lord's Prayer as a whole. If you read the Lord's Prayer, it's split in half, isn't it? If you have a look at it, it feels like there's definitely a change at verse 11. Because we're talking about God, this pack of three, the pack of punch, on earth as in heaven. Then give us today our daily bread. It kind of gets much more earthy, it seems. And it would be easy to think that those two halves kind of live in different houses. The first one is, well, what God wants. And the second stuff is what I want. And we put God first because, yeah, he's more important. God's needs, my needs. But what did we see last week? How does the prayer start? Our Father. It's not two unrelated people. 
It's one household. What kind of kid doesn't care about their dad? Well, only a broken child. And similarly, what kind of dad doesn't care about their kid? Only a, a dad who's broken somehow. Our father cares about us, and as his people, we care about him. Moved by his love, we love him in return. So the Lord's Prayer is a prayer about family wants, what we need together. It's not that our interests start halfway down. Our interests are all the way through. So what does that mean? What is our greatest need? Bread? Food? I like food. I want food. And yet, Jesus says, our greatest need, whether your stomach's rumbling or not, is our Father's honor. That's the most important thing. That's really challenging, isn't it? I doubt many people out there would say God's honor is our greatest need. But that's what Jesus says. That's what he says to us this morning. Our Father's honor, that's our greatest need. That's your greatest need. Whatever disappointments you're living with, whatever things you're finding difficult, it's not to demean them or say they don't matter, but it's to say the most important thing is that our Father is honored. Let's keep going. What, does, what do these things look like in practice? We thought about one thing, just helping someone off the floor. What, what does Jesus want us to focus on with the hallowing of God's name and his kingdom and, and will? Well, with this, we're going to zoom out sl- slightly further to the Sermon on the Mount, which is um, Matthew in chapter 5 to 7. He, he recounts this sermon that Jesus delivers, and, and the Lord's Prayer is part of that. We're going to look for those key words. Um, you can flick in the uh, paper Bible in front of you, or it will be on the screen. Let's look for God's will and look in chapter 7, verse 21, just over the page probably for many of us. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, and up on the screen. What does Jesus say? Very challenging words from Jesus about God's will. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. So what is God's will? Of all the many things that we might say God wants, God longs for, what is his will here? An individual person would do what he says, would be obedient to Jesus' teaching. What does God's will mean? God's will be done. It means that I would be a godly person, that you would be a godly person, first and foremost. That's where Jesus focuses. All right, this is one thing, but let's, let's go on to kingdom then. This is right at the beginning of the uh, sermon, chapter 5. What does Jesus say? Chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who are humble, for theirs is the kingdom. Kingdom belongs to those who are humble. And then in verse 10 of chapter 5, right at the bottom, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness because of godly living for theirs is the kingdom of heaven so the kingdom of god it could be many things right could be huge grand ideas and jesus says it belongs to those who are humble and who are godly so will is about godliness kingdom about godliness what about god's honor last little one chapter 5 verse 16 same chapter what does jesus say here in the same way, let your light shine before others that they see, may see your good deeds and what? What will people do is they see a Christian's good deeds, their godliness. What will they do? Glorify your Father in heaven. They will give God the honor he's due. So here, this is really important. This is what Jesus means when he talks about kingdom coming and will being done and God being honored. He is not first, I can come down, thanks. He is not first talking about influencing policies that care for the oppressed, that God's will will be done. He's not first saying, go out to every nation, proclaim the gospel, 
He's not talking about global mission first. Neither is he talking about, kind of in the best sense, impressive churches, churches that really do what God wants. No, first, in this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is saying, live God's way. Live the kingdom life individually. All those other things, influencing the world, going out with the gospel of Christ, yes, they come as a result, but we don't start there. We don't start elsewhere. We start here. That's what Jesus says very clearly. The Sermon on the Mount is not about how everybody else should be better. And that happily fits with the three circles that we're thinking about, doesn't it? Not starting telling everyone else what to do, but actually thinking, Lord, what, what must I do? How can I change? How can I recommit to you? How can I reconnect? What do I need to say sorry for and repent of? Jesus says, get your heart right first. When you pray the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says, pray for your own heart. Don't have grand ideas about everyone else first. Start with yourself. Because what is it if, if I rush out from here and, and lecture the world on how it should live, and I'm no different? What is that? Hypocrisy. And Jesus makes it very clear, that's horrible. Don't be like the hypocrites who do everything publicly and nothing privately. Start here first. And then, of course, yes. The greatest missionaries are those who got right with God and were so full of joy that they went out and shared the gospel. The people who influenced society most were those who were warmed with the love of Christ and therefore wanted to share it with others. Our Father's honor is our greatest need. And that means godliness for each of us. We are to work at our relationship with God. And relationship not in the kind of vague, woolly terms, but in obedience. Jesus is the Lord, and so I'm going to live for him. He's the king. God's will be done. All right, we're going to start to think about how we put those things into practice. But before we turn our attention more to ourselves, let's turn it first to Jesus specifically. This is Jesus' hierarchy of values, of hierarchy of needs. Was Jesus a hypocrite? Did he live these out or not? I know we know the answer. But let's enjoy it together. Maybe you're new to Christian things and think, well, here's this Jesus. Any good? Oh, yes. God's will be done. Let's start and go up again in order of importance, starting with God's will be done. Earlier this year in our Easter series, we considered Jesus in the garden, praying on his knees loudly, crying out to God. What did he pray to his father? Take this cup from me, Jesus. I, I don't want this awful thing that's about to happen. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus sought the Father's will. And he lived it out, didn't he? And he, not only he lived it, he, he died for it. The Father said, go and die. And Jesus, the obedient son, said, that's your will. I will do it. And he went to the cross and he was hammered there. And he hung there, dying for our sin. And do you remember what one thief said to him? One thief said to him, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Because the kingdom comes as the obedient son does God's will. Jesus brought the kingdom of God. He lived this out. He sought God's kingdom first. And what about God's glory? Did Jesus live for God's glory? Well, one last reference on the screen. It's, it's such a great one. Or Philippians 2, if you wanted to flick forward. Philippians chapter 2. These are famous verses, even if I can't find them. Philippians 2, just from verse 8. Jesus humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, 
even death on a cross. He did God's will. He did it. God's will be done. Therefore, what did God do in response to Jesus following God's will? God exalted him to the highest place. God gave Jesus a kingdom. Gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. Why? To whose glory? The glory of the Father. Did Jesus live this out or was he a hypocrite? He lived it. He died it. And he rose again. To do God's will. To bring God's kingdom. To honor God the Father. See, Jesus' death and resurrection, that is the pinnacle of our Father's honor. That is when it was the best. That can come down, thank you. Jesus, Jesus is the source of your confidence this morning. We might be thinking, yeah, I'm going I'm to live a good Christian life. Come on, let's go do it. And there's something right about that instinct. But what is the source of that? How on earth could we have any hope that this prayer of ours would be answered? Whose name do we pray in? Jesus, the obedient son. Who, who do we ask for our debts to be forgiven through? Jesus, who brought God's kingdom by dying on the cross. Jesus did it all. Maybe when I said at the beginning that our father's honor is our greatest need, you thought, really? I've got some really difficult needs. I, I, there's some stuff I really want right now, and it's really hurting. I hope you can see how our father's honor is the source of every need being met. Because Jesus did the right thing to pour out God's blessing on each of us, his family. Well, one of the many blessings he gives us is the Lord's Prayer. This then is how you should pray. How we should pray, Jesus says. I wonder what's the effect of praying the Lord's Prayer daily. You know, give us today our daily bread. And every day praying, Father, would your name be honored. What is the effect of that as you hear yourself pray that? And as the Spirit answers and brings that blessing on your life and changes you, what is the effect of, we, of, of us doing that over and over again? I was reading a little bit how uh, Japanese swords are made, like those cool like, samurai-type swords. They're made, you're not going to find out actually how to do it, but the, what the basic process is you take some metal and you heat it up and you hammer it out and you fold it. And then you do it again. You heat it up and you hammer it out and then you fold it. And you heat it up and you hammer it out and then you fold it. And you keep doing that. And what happens with that over and over and over again is you end up with a really cool-looking, very strong sword. The power of repetition, of habit, we might say. So let's do that with the Lord's Prayer. Let's heat it up, hammer it out in our lives, fold over, and then go again. That we could be strengthened. The effect of daily praying this, of having it answered. I like the idea of hammering out because that means that it's not quite right at first. Maybe some of us, we're, we're trying new things in response to what God has been saying. You're experimenting. Maybe you're a new Christian, you've never really prayed regularly, or you've been a Christian for a while and you're trying to do something different. You, you've been stuck in a rut and you want to, yes, you feel a, a sense of newness. And as you do that, you think, oh, I don't really know. What, what does that look like? It feels a bit awkward. Because Jesus was really helpful in a way. He says, go into your room and close the door. But then he doesn't tell you what to do with your body. Do you, do you stand up? Do you, do you kneel down? What about eyes open or eyes closed? What about out loud or quiet? Well, the, the short answer is you can hammer out. You can, you can find a way that works for you before God, the way that works for you, because the, the Bible doesn't tell us how to do it. In fact, it gives us examples of different ways it's done. We here, 
often well, in the church service, we'll often uh, sit and bow our heads and close our eyes when we pray. It's one way to do it, absolutely. But Jesus, we're told in John's gospel, looks up to heaven to pray. Or as we thought in the garden, he, he kneels at, and uh, is face down and he cries loudly. Or the tax collector that Jesus commended who went home justified, what did the tax collector do? He stood at a distance, but he stood. And that means do, do what works for you and your father, for you before your father, rather. Find a way that works. Hammer it out. And it's a bit awkward at first. Any new habit, you think, oh, it's not quite. That's fine. Don't worry about it. You, you, you will feel it's, there's no prescribed body language any more than there's prescribed body language for how we relate to each other. That doesn't mean anything goes, because you know if you and I were having a chat and I did this, you wouldn't think, oh, that's just a other body language. You, that means something, right? There are good ways of relating with our body, and there are good ways that Scripture shows us to relate to our Father, kneeling, praying, looking up, standing. Try it out. In the privacy of your own room, try it out. It might feel unnatural like that at first, hammering it out. Some of us, I know, have been hammering, trying to hammer that out in our small groups. Even this week, a couple of people sharing with me, it was tricky to share prayer requests that were actually about ourselves. It's easy to share prayer requests that are about other people, right? People we love, people we know. Brilliant. You can share prayer requests about other people all day long. But to share prayer requests about myself and my relationship with God and what God's saying to me, oh, it just feels really awkward. It's quite hmm, yucky. <laughs> That's okay. We're just trying something new. Takes a bit of time. Hammer it out. We'll go again. We'll go again. I'll just say what, a couple of things on that, if I might. Um, you might think that like, I'm not allowed to talk about myself because we really should be talking about God and the Bible. And as soon as I start talking about me, that's kind of closing the Bible. But why not think of it like this? That we've looked at God's word together and now we're saying, here's what God's saying to me. Here's the thing from that thing that we've just looked at that God's just saying, hey, how about that? He's encouraging me, maybe. Or he's saying, give me some change here. You're talking about God working your heart. And what does Jesus want us to do with, with this Lord's Prayer? Does he want us to talk about other people and say, well, let's pray for that country first and only. Let's pray for this thing out in the world first and only. No, Jesus says, we're praying for ourselves and our own hearts that God would be honored in our lives. So that is the godly thing to do, to talk about yourself, not necessarily to open your entire life up. It's not saying you must have no pub, uh, private self, but maybe just a small thing you could share, just experiment to say, oh, I, I found that sermon actually encouraged me a little bit or what you just said in the study now and that really helped me that, just give thanks it doesn't have to be deep does it but let's get in the habit of doing that hammering out together in a safe space in our small groups with those who know us and love us start small but let's look at our own godliness as jesus asks us to do and be encouraged as we do these things and as we kind of get into them we're already being encouraged I've been really glad to hear of people saying, yeah, it was a bit tricky, but actually we had a great time. I, I found it helpful. People opening up and, and just being able to say a little bit more maybe than they've ever said before. Isn't that great to be opening up to each other, knowing our church family better, that they might pray for us, that you might have brothers and sisters enlisted in looking after you and encouraging you. Uh, after church service last week I was talking to someone and because I'd encouraged everyone to I obviously had to ask them how could I pray for them and then I prayed with them and after that they said to me can I pray for you and we didn't talk about it that much but I got the sense they felt oh, it's a bit am I allowed to pray for a minister while he's here because it kind of implies that he's not perfect and I'm definitely not perfect and I was blessed much more than that person 
as they prayed for me. I heard them bring me towards the throne of grace and say, Father, please help this person. He really needs your help. Isn't that encouraging to be prayed for by our brothers and sisters? To finish, just imagine. Imagine someone did this. Heated it up, hammered out, folded over, went again. Prayed it regularly over time. That you knew the Lord's Prayer. This person, sorry, knew the Lord's Prayer and they prayed it for themselves and for others over a long time. And then let's say that person, years down the track, gets sick. And not just any sick, the kind of sick you don't get better from. Yes, that news would rock them, it would shake them. But what would they know is their greatest need? Physical health? They would know that our Father's honor is their greatest need. It always was. And not only that it was a need, but it was met. That Jesus, the risen Lord, says, that has happened. That is happening and will happen. That as our bodies fail, we are not despairing. We are not destroyed. Because our greatest need is not our physical health. Yes, it's great to have. But it's not our greatest need. Our greatest need is our Father's honor. And that means that that person can be satisfied even as they fade. They could be content when no one else could be because they know their father cares for them and has loved them so much that Christ came. That Jesus is the source of their satisfaction now, even through death and out the other side. And Jesus invites us, hey, pray this prayer. Ask for our father's blessing and you will get it because I've got it for you. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that your name would be honored in us. Please help us, Father, where we are cold or where we are struggling, where we have questions. We need your help. Thank you that Christ is sufficient for everything in every moment. Thank you that his spirit works within our hearts to change us. And so we pray that together we would grow in this godliness that Christ calls us to and that we would know your honor is our greatest need and that in Jesus it is fully satisfied and therefore would we be fully satisfied too. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.